Oh, good morning, everyone. How are you? You okay? Everyone warm enough? Good. Okay, so um, we've been on a series called Clothed with Power. This is week five. I uh, don't know how many more weeks to go. Could be a few more. Um, what I will say is, is after today, we are going to be taking a break. Uh, Simon's preaching next week. We've got pop-up nativities and Christmas Day and New Year's Day and all sorts of fun and games. Uh, but what I will say there is there is plenty more to come, I think, in pursuit of clothed with power and duo dunamis. I certainly want to take a, a good look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit we read about in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. And 14. But before we dive into today's material, I just want to pause for a second and just take stock of where we are. Do you know what? I remain utterly convinced that what we need above all is a move of God. We need an outpouring of His presence and His power more than anything else in the whole big wide world. Now, I know there is so much more that God wants to do in us, wants to do through us as individuals and as a church. As I've said many, many times, I, I've seen what, what we can do in our own strength. And I speak for myself when I say that it is singularly unimpressive. But... We have seen a glimpse of what God Almighty can do, and that is much more like it. Do you know what? I know I'm not the only one who thinks this way because I talked to y'all after the service on a Sunday, and I know that it is stirring within you guys too. I can just sense that there's, there's an increasing desire, there's a simmering expectation. And there is certainly no shortage of need. You know, I, I reckon it's time we opened the door wide and did whatever it takes to let him in unrestrained. I will say this. Ultimately, we know that, that, that it depends on him kind of the point, I think. You know, but for our part, we, we do need to be willing and available. We need to be hungry for it. Our kingdom culture value is, is radically responsive. Because you know what? We really do need a move of God. Now, before we can talk about, about the outpouring of his power and presence... First, I think we need to know a little more of the mechanics of how it works. How does the Holy Spirit come? What happens when he does? That's what we're going to have a little bit of a look at today. And you know, when I hear people talking about this, and I've had my ears open in the church well for several decades, more decades than I care to admit, that there's always a tension. And the tension goes something like this. 
Why do we pray for the Holy Spirit to come when he already lives on the inside of us? Is it a case of, of the Holy Spirit with, within us or is it the Holy Spirit coming upon us? And the answer is yes. This one is not a case of either or. This is very much both and. We need to have the Holy Spirit within us. We also want to have the Holy Spirit come upon us. But to appreciate that, first, we, we need to understand a little more about the presence of God. Before I get into that, note carefully, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't put the Holy Spirit in a box if we tried. And I certainly have no desire to attempt to do so. But you know what? In, in Scripture, we see plenty of evidence that there are different measures, different levels, if you like, different dimensions of God's presence. For the purposes of, of this message today, I'm going to suggest that the presence of the Holy Spirit takes four forms. No boxes. Four forms. The first one is, is his omnipresence. The second one is the indwelling presence. The third one I'm going to call the empowering presence. And the fourth one is his manifest presence. I'm going to quickly summarize each of those. Number one is, is omnipresent. From the word omni meaning all and presence meaning everywhere. This is the one that probably even unbelievers are aware of or understand. This is the idea that God Almighty is everywhere all of the time. So we have verses like Psalm 139 verse 7 through 10. This is the message because it says it really nicely. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? That is called a rhetorical question to be out of your sight. If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to, to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Jeremiah 23, 23. Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him? declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. So nothing escapes him. Nothing surprises him. Nothing is beyond the scope of his presence. Colossians 1.17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Number one, I'm sure we're comfortable with the idea of the omnipresence of his spirit. The second one is the indwelling presence. This is the idea that God comes and takes up residence in your heart. At the second that you are born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. 
We see that John 20, 22, Jesus said, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That moment they were born again. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? The indwelling, abiding presence. We're talking here about Emmanuel. God is with you. That, that every second of every day, his arm is wrapped around your shoulder. His eye is fixed on you. His hand of favor is extended to you. And you know what? My lifelong prayer, I've been praying this for 30 odd years, 40 years probably, it is, Lord, would you make me increasingly aware of your indwelling presence in my heart. James 4 verse 8, of course, says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Suggest that, that the indwelling presence of God is something that we can press into, that there is a richness of life, that there are new depths of love and joy and peace that are available as we become increasingly aware of his indwelling presence. Number two. Number three is his empowering presence. What we, we read the promise in Acts 1 verse 8 when Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the promise, the fulfillment. Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I want you to note that, that this applied to believers who were already aware of his omnipresence that they were already experiencing his indwelling presence. They had already been born again. They were already Christians. You see, this was a new level. This was a new dimension that they were filled now not just with his presence, but they were filled with his power as well. So we have verses like Ephesians 5 verse 18, which says, do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The point being, this is, this is not a one-time only deal. With the Holy Spirit, there is always room for more. And so not only, not only do we need to draw near so we can experience increasing measures of, of that indwelling presence, we also need to be repeatedly filled with his power. Ephesians 3, verse 16, one of Paul's great prayers, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then a few verses later, verse 20, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us, his empowering presence, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And then fourthly, we have 
his manifest presence. This is God coming to meet with his people in a special way. Psalm 22, verse 3. You, yet you are holy, you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Acts 3, verse 19. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Verse 20. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of of the Lord. In other words, whenever we, whenever we meet together, whenever we, we gather in his name, Matthew 18, 20 tells us that he is with us. He is present. When, when, when God's people praise him, Psalm 22, 3 tells that he, that, that he is enthroned on our praises. The old King James says that he inhabits our praises. In other words, when we worship, God comes. We, as it were, establish a throne in our midst and God Almighty comes and takes his place. Now we understand that the, the omnipresent one, that the indwelling one is already in our midst but he chooses to manifest himself amongst us more powerfully as we worship. We saw that, of course, when, when Solomon's temple was dedicated, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. In, in that account, we see that God came so profoundly that his glory was so thick and weighty, his power was so strong, that the priests were unable to minister, even to stand in his presence. It was almost then as though the spiritual had spilled over into the physical. We saw that again in, in Acts chapter 4 when the disciples prayed. If you remember Acts 4.31, after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. And do you know what? We've seen it at times over the years as we have worshipped together that sense of the presence of God. That there is a, a heightened awareness that God himself is in the room. A sense, if you like, a sense of awe. What the Bible calls the fear of the Lord. But no one wants to be the next person to move or speak. Have you ever been in a service like that? Again, as though the king himself were in the room, enthroned on our praises, present in our worship. Who's up for more of that? Okay, so, so back, back full circle to that tension. Do we pray for the Holy Spirit to come when we know he's already living inside of us? Is it, again, is it the, the Holy Spirit within us or is the Holy Spirit coming upon us? And the answer is sometimes it's as though the Holy Spirit rises up 
within you. Sometimes it's as though the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you know what? That's the difference between the, between the indwelling and empowering presence within and the manifest presence without. You know, we have the empowering presence of God, the Holy Spirit, within us, and we need more of that. That's why we pray, Lord, fill me. But we also want to invite God to manifest his tangible presence among us, his glory, the splendor of his holiness. So we also pray, Holy Spirit, come. Tying all of that together, the moral of the story, I think, is, yes, please. We need an ever-increasing measure of all of those dimensions of God's Spirit. Now, I don't want to be long today um, because I'd like us to have some time to respond at the end, but I just want to spend just a few minutes looking at, at what happens when he comes. Big old subject, can't cover it all. Just want to zero in a little bit this morning. I mean, look just for a second at the, at the pattern of the early church. No doubt you're familiar with Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Kind of summed up the activity of the first Christians as they met together. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing and meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Verse 43 says, A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. So we did notice that, that two things occurred. First of all, a deep sense of awe came over them. Secondly, signs and wonders were performed amongst them. And here's the point that I want to make. The pattern is that those two things come together. Those two things, if you like, work together. And that if we want to see signs and wonders, which we do, first we'll need to cultivate that deep sense of awe. I love this little verse in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5. Paul speaking, he said, Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power and with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. In other words, the, the gospel should come not in word alone, but also it should come with these three manifestations. It come with, should come with a manifestation of power, it's the word dunamis, endo dunamis, should come with a manifestation of the Holy Spirit and his presence. And thirdly, it should come with this sense of awe, this deep conviction. And when the Holy Spirit is in the room, there will be a sense of awe, a deep burning conviction. Why? Because you're in the presence of a holy God. And you should experience what the Bible calls the fear of the Lord. 
God, this is a crucial part, actually, of the Holy Spirit's role. John 16, verse 17, that we looked at a few weeks ago. Sorry, John 16, verse 7. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, Jesus said, because if I don't, the advocate, the comforter, the paraclete won't come to you. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Then it goes on and talks a little bit about what the paraclete is going to do. And right at the top, verse 8, he says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Now, one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to make people aware of the holiness of God and the horribleness of sin. The Holy Spirit is indeed holy. And he is working into us holiness. And he uses the power of this thing called conviction. He uses conviction to expose and correct sin. And he uses conviction to point us towards the beauty and the purity and the godliness of God himself. So when people gather together and when people worship and when the Holy Spirit comes, there will inevitably be a deep conviction. And in that place, sin will become unattractive and flesh will be laid bare and bad attitudes will be exposed through motivations will be revealed and disunity will be exposed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's job is to lead us away from sin and towards God. And conviction is how he does that. There's a wonderful little story that you may have heard me uh, tell before. It's about Smith Wigglesworth. I was thinking back in the day, you could say the name Smith Wigglesworth and all the old saints would say, amen, glory to God. You may not know who Smith Wigglesworth was. Smith Wigglesworth was a gruff old northerner. He was a plumber by trade a long, long time ago who became, was miraculously saved through the grace of God and the faithful love of his wife, patience, and ended up becoming described as the apostle of faith here in, in England, would you believe? And many miracles were performed in his ministry. There's a story that goes something like this. There was a young man who had heard that what God was doing through Smith Wigglesworth. I think everyone was hearing what God was doing through this man. And what, what, what Smith Wigglesworth encouraged people to do was to come, come to him and come and pray with him. Let's pray together. Let's pray for the move of God. Let's pray for more of God. So on one occasion, a young man came and he, he, he uh, decided that yeah, this is for me. And he, he came early in the morning, I think it was, and he prayed with Smith Wigglesworth. And Wigglesworth got to praying. And after about 15 minutes, this man came crawling out of Smith Wigglesworth's study on his hands and his knees, uttering these words. There is too much of God in there for me. 
1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5, our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. Here's the key point that I want you to get this morning. We need the Holy Spirit in the room. Because when he comes, things get transformed. So we can't do that with our clever arguments, simply with words. We can't do it with our best fleshly efforts. We can't even do it with our very finest Christian cakes. When the convictor comes, that's when kingdom transformation takes place. That's when profane things become holy. That's when broken things get fixed and when wounded things get healed and captive things get released and walls come tumbling down. I'd say this, when we, when we come together as believers, it shouldn't just be nice and happy and bright. There should be a strong and tangible and weighty sense that God Almighty is in the room. When God is in the room, sick start getting healed. Sinners go running to the altar to get saved and the broken are made whole. And captives are set gloriously free. That's the place where, where the gifts of the Holy Spirit start to flow. The, the prophecy that, that brings that sense of of, wow, God has spoken. That's the place where we start to experience words of knowledge that, that can act as can openers, if you like, as catalysts to release the, the miracle-working power of God that we need and we long for. We need the Holy Spirit in the room. If we were going to get where we want to get, if we're going to do what we need to do, if we're going to experience the fullness of, of what we all intrinsically know God has for us, then we need the presence of the Holy Spirit in the room. Really, really quickly, how do we get there? Very, very simple. Three points. Number one, worship until he comes. Number two, respond when he does. Kingdom value of radically responsive. So number one, worship till he comes. Number two, respond when he does. And number three is leave the rest to him. As you as we respond this morning, that's exactly what we can do. If the worship team wouldn't mind coming forward into their places. Very, very simply, we're just going to worship this morning a little bit longer. It's been great to worship so far. We're going to worship him. We're going to... We're going to wait on him. And then we're going to respond to his call. I mean, essentially, there are two prayers that we pray this morning. Prayer number one is, fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Prayer number two is, come, Holy Spirit, come. And so in a minute, I'm going to jump back on the keyboard and we'll sort of pass over to Simon and lead us through this response time. But you know what? I think this will be a great opportunity for us 
today to step into the next level, the next dimension of God's presence for you. It may well be that that you hear me talking about about the abiding presence, the indwelling presence, and actually you've never been born again. You've never invited the Lord Jesus into your heart. You've never been, as it were, saved. Well, you know what? This would be a great opportunity to do that. And if that's stirring in your heart this morning, I'd encourage you to come forward, see our ministry team. They love to pray for you. And as Jesus did, breathe on you that you might receive the presence of God. The second one, and this is one of those responses that I kind of scratched my head and said, how can anyone resist? And this is the prayer for more. I, I don't know, just looking around them, is there anyone who could squeeze in just a little more of the power of the Holy Spirit into their lives? How about a whole lot more? Well, do you know what? This is a great opportunity if you feel stirred on the inside again to come forward. We have a ministry team that will pray that God would fill you up this morning overflowing. We've read the verses that that set that precedent. We've been in the room before when God has done that, as though he's touched you with his power, as though he's breathed his breath upon you afresh. And I suspect there are some people in the room today who would love to receive a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it may be that you've never experienced that. Back in the old days, we used to call it being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baptized is the idea of being completely, totally, and utterly immersed in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And if you've never done that this morning, Acts 2, Pentecost, what a great opportunity to come and receive that prayer this morning. Otherwise, we talked about the manifest presence of God. We're just going to pray. I'll pray in a second. Holy Spirit, come. And just invite him to come and do what only he So if you wouldn't mind standing, thank you for your patience, everybody. And I'm just going to pray really simple, quick prayer, and then jump back on the keyboard. We're going to sing. Simon will sort of steward us through this time. I'd encourage you to respond. We've got plenty of time this morning. We liberally cut the first part of the service short. So we've got 15 whole minutes to respond. And hey, what? If the Holy Spirit comes, that 15 minutes can become two and a quarter hours, and we won't even notice. So let's pray. I pray, Lord, it's very simple. We know we need you. We know from our experience, know from that sense of lack we all, and insufficiently we all, sufficiency that we all feel, we, we just instinctively know that we are fashioned and designed to be vessels of your spirit and power. So Lord, our prayer is twofold this morning. Lord, would you fill us up fresh today, overflowing with your presence, your power. And secondly, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and breathe your breath? Would you come and do what only you can do? At this point, Lord, we just step back. We open the door wide. Holy Spirit, would you?